when I started playing again, I started having the same comments again from the same heinous people. They were telling me that as a woman, I shouldn't be playing and I should go back to the kitchen. They were telling me that as a black woman also, because there are ways to understand that the player you're playing with is a black person, that I shouldn't be there calling me all kinds of words. That got me really upset this time around. And this time I knew exactly what it was. I knew it was misogyny and I knew it was racism. Hi, I am Sophie Vaux and this is the Rise and Play podcast. In the show, I sit down with influential thought leaders of the gaming industry to deconstruct how they create the best team and company cultures in order to create the best games. Every episode brings actionable insight to improve your leadership, self-awareness, and emotional management skills. Because becoming a better leader starts with becoming a better human. So, are you ready to unlock your full potential in life and business? Let's begin. Raise up your game development with a new podcast sponsor, Game Refinery. Having been the user myself, what I like about Game Refinery's tool is that it helps game developers take a more data-driven approach to adding features, metas, and live events to their mobile games at any stage of development, from new game development to growing the current portfolio of games. And what makes Game Refinery differ from a traditional market research tool is that its team of game analysts play and deconstruct the best-in-class mobile games on an ongoing basis, across 50 genres, hundreds of features, and thousands of live events. The data insights provided are actionable because they are based on data collected by real humans and not bots. And you will save a lot of time browsing through a database of almost 100,000 screenshots implementation that you can collect and share with your teammates. So want to learn more about how game developers like Zynga, Funplus, Rovio, Garena, and King use Game Refinery to build better games with leaner teams? Go to info.gamerefinery.com slash riseandplay to sign up for free access or to request an demo. Or just check out the link in the podcast episode notes. So today I am sitting with Jennifer Lufo and I'm very, very psyched to be with her because as I discover about her recently, really through LinkedIn connections. I'm super excited to have her representing Afrogamers as the founder of Afrogamers. So Jennifer Lufo is a video game marketing specialist strongly committed to making the gaming industry more inclusive with her non-profit Afrogamers. The community of more than 400 people in French-speaking countries fights against racism and sexism towards BIPOC who stream, play and make games. As a social media and content manager at the French studio Ubisoft Paris and founder of Afrogamers, Jennifer combines strong skill in fostering international gaming communities with an inclusive approach. So hi, Jennifer. How are you today? Hi, I'm very good. Super happy to be here and to talk with you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm super good. <laughs> yeah, And thanks again for joining. I know you had your day, your full-time activity day, and here we are stretching for the rest of the day having this conversation, so I appreciate as well that you made time. So let's begin with something that will give you energy, and let's talk about what is uh, making you feel excited these days. The weather, honestly. <laughs> I like being hot. I like feeling the sun on my skin. I like just 
being able to go out and enjoy the freedom of enjoying the sun, it's something really important to me because most of the time during winter when I'm cold, I just don't feel like doing anything. So summer is always an exciting time for me to just spend with my family, with my friends and to experiment things also. Yeah, I can relate to that. Summer is a really nice time of the year where everything is a bit lighter. We have a lot of good mood and energy with uh, sunlight, which is a bit of a struggle during winter. And maybe for the background as well, a little more maybe of where you grew up. Were you born in France or what's your background? Can you tell us more about it? Of course. So I was not born in France. I was actually born in Togo, West Africa. I grew up until I was about seven years old in Benin. So after I was born in, in Togo, we, my family and I went straight to Benin, which are close countries. They're basically the same culture. After that, we came straight to France. This is when I started going to middle school. And ever since I came to France, you know, I went back to Benin a couple times only. So I haven't really had the chance to really remember in details and be very acquainted with the Beninese culture because I consider myself more of a Benin person than a Togo person. Never been to Togo. Mm -hmm. I still feel very close to that country. I remember being able to speak the local language. I remember having friends from school and, you know, a, a lot of that today is lost. So it's kind of regret for me, but um, but I also made a lot of good friends and very good memories here in France. And obviously I've had opportunities here that maybe I couldn't have had over there. So I'm, I'm super happy to know that now as an adult, I can always go back and uh, reconnect. And as myself, coming from a mixed background, although I was born in France, but my parents are coming from Vietnam, uh, immigrated in the late 70s. I can also relate a lot to what you just shared about having some connection with your roots, your culture, although you don't fully know about it, but there's some sort of calling by, you know, your family, your education. It's a good uh, start, actually, to also get directly into Afrogamers. You were the founder of Afrogamers, and let's start maybe by sharing here uh, what is Afrogamers about and what was the genesis of the association and where you are today. Yeah, so today Afrogamous is a non-profit, but what I always say is that it's a community before everything else. To me, it's a community of women, of Black women in majority, and it felt important for me to have that kind of space, that kind of uh, platform to create it because I grew up having this feeling that I was not feeling represented in the medias around me and especially in video games since I was an avid player and so it was a very important medium for me and mm. the reason why I created it was because because of my own experience while playing video games you know I always said that it brought in a lot of positive things in my life I met amazing people while playing games. I improved my English. I improved some skills also, which I didn't know back then. Now I see that they were actually useful. Communicating with people, improving your leadership skills, teamwork, all of that stuff. So I have uh, video games to, to thank for that, obviously, but I had toxic experiences, which made me feel very little, especially at a young age. 
playing multiplayer online games gave me this sense of maybe not belonging. And that came from other people. So I got really hurt from heinous comments. And I kind of hid that within me. I didn't talk about it to anybody when I was a teenager. Mm. I knew it was there, but I couldn't really put words on it. I didn't know why it was bothering me so much. And, you know, most of the time people would just tell you they're just kids. They're just whatever. But they weren't saying that to other people who were playing the games with me. So I understood that they were saying all of this negative stuff because they felt I was different and that I shouldn't belong where I was playing games with them. Hmm. You know, I took a break with video games, actually. I haven't played for a couple of years. Um, then I started working. And at some point, I had a very bad experience. I was not exactly fired, but they asked me to change teams. They asked me to go back to my previous team, which I didn't want to work with. They were like, yeah, you're going to keep the same salary, same advantages, everything, but you're going back to your old team. And I was just devastated learning from that, from my manager at the time, online, not even in real life. So I was really hurt with that and decided to leave. It was my decision to leave. So I wasn't expecting to have such a violent, because for me, it, it felt really brutal experience in the workplace. And at the same time, we had COVID. Mm -hmm. So obviously a lot of time to reflect and to get back into video games because I had a lot of free time. Mm -hmm. And when I started playing again, I started having the same comments again from the same heinous people. They were telling me that as a woman, I shouldn't be playing and I should go back to the kitchen. They were telling me that as a black woman also, because there are ways to understand that the player you're playing with is a black person, that I shouldn't be there calling me all kinds of words. That got me really upset this time around. And this time I knew exactly what it was. I knew it was misogyny and I knew it was racism. I took that anger and I tried to communicate it in a blog that I also started during COVID. The blog was just my way to put out all of those feelings I had inside of me, but didn't really know how to express with other people around me. And so I started writing all of that and decided to interview other women. I knew I had my own experience, but it was important for me to get the experience from other Black women to see if Am I crazy or are other people also living this? That lack of confidence came in. And so I, I had the chance to interview four amazing women from Madagascar, from Canada, the US and the Netherlands. I couldn't find a single black woman playing games in France. That was so weird, you know, doing mm -hmm. my research and not being able to find one in France. So I did the interview with them and they're feedback was just so similar to mine and that's exactly when I decided that it was time we just stop undergoing this and we start acting against hate but not only that it's also about being more visible as players being more identified as that so that people would stop telling us that we don't belong and it was also a way for for us to just take more space and be more visible in the industry overall. 
we started thinking of a lot of ways to go even further and not just talk about ourselves as Black women, but to talk about diversity in general mm -hmm. and to make sure that people actually feel in their place, people feel like they belong, and people take their chance and opportunity to actually get within the video game industry. Thanks a lot for sharing all this uh, personal story and journey and testimonials. A part of me is really sad, actually, to hear about those experiences you had. And I think it's important as well that you share so openly. And I appreciate you are willing also to share because, of course, while we can hear the experience, it's still a different thing to experience it yourself. Exactly. Uh, I would like to get back more on the time when you were a kid and the games actually that really inspired you, that you really like to play. But you mentioned also the ones that you didn't see representation. Could you give me examples of the games you love, but you couldn't see yourself in? Yeah. So the first game that I remember playing, like the first real game, I would say, would be Prince of Persia, the one from 1989, which I played in a... I guess, what's it called in English? A cyber coffee place. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And that, was, that actually happened in Benin when I was still a child. I just left school and found this place with an open door. I just got in with my friends from school and we saw that place and we got so curious. And then we started playing out the game and it felt amazing. So it was my very first time actually seeing such an advanced game, so to say, and to actually encounter real gameplay. It was playing with the keyboard and everything, but still I felt like it was amazing just being able to use space and direction controls to control a character, control what it was going to do and to understand that there was also a story uh, behind all of that. I, I, I was blown away. And then I also played a lot with my cousins, just much simpler games, Tarzan, things like that. A lot of um, Luxor, I don't know if you know of that. Those are also games with, with, you play with balls, you need to align balls. A lot of mini games, I would say. And it was really when I became a teenager that I started playing online multiplayer games and their representation wasn't there. It was super rare that I would see a character that would look like me to see a woman not sexualized, Black. Mm -hmm. And when I say Black, I don't just mean with the color of their skin because that would be too easy. Anybody can be Black today. So what I expected was not just to see somebody with dark skin, but I wanted to see more of the universe of... Uh, black person i just felt like we in video games have the ability to create such imaginary and wonderful worlds and i couldn't understand why i couldn't see a single character that would look like me when it's reality it was like pretending that i don't exist as a person in that kind of universe in games like league of legends which i played a lot when the game started back in 2008 there wasn't a single black female character until 2018. Mm -hmm. And so when that character actually arrived, I was shook <laughs> because <laughs> it used to be my favorite game. The character's name is Senna and she's mm -hmm. this beautiful dark skinned girl, but not just dark, she also would wear braids, which is what I would wear every day in my life when mm -hmm. I was a teenager. 
she had great abilities. She wasn't just some uninteresting character. No, she was overall amazing. And she wasn't portrayed as this aggressive Black woman either. And so I could relate a lot to everything around Senna because for the first time I was like, oh, perhaps I can actually cosplay this character. If I wanted to get into that, maybe I could just go and pick her. And I know that sometimes people ask things like, yeah, but why you can identify with just any type of character. And I answered, of course, of course, I can identify to any type of character out there. This is what I do most of the time, actually, because I don't mind playing all types of characters. But it's really the lack, right? The absence that makes you feel like mm-hmm. you, you, you are not worth it, right? Or that maybe you just don't belong there. I'm fine with playing white guys or a certain age who would be manly and who would be violent and mm-hmm. everything. I'm fine with that. But from time to time, I feel it's necessary to also see representation of our society within the video games. So a follow-up question as well. Of course, when we are referring back to the games you played, it was, I don't know, 20, 15 years ago. Fast forward to today. And also from the conversation you have in Afrogamers, a great community with many testimonials. What to you could explain that we're still not there and we still miss representation? There are several causes to that. The first one would be the teams. I feel like the majority of people who work in the industry are men and there would be white men also of a certain age. And I feel like if we keep having the same perspectives, if we keep having this entre-soi, we say in French, where you have tried to only get people who look like you or who have the same background and you do that unconsciously, you try to get these people to work with you because you feel like they would understand because they look like you and they have the same background, which is fine, right? But people need also to understand that minorities, people of color, are actually already trying hard to get into the industry. So there are obstacles that we must face if you want to work in the video game industry. Let's talk seriously. We have racism. That's a thing, right? Mm -hmm. We have discriminations in general. We are also women. So that would be a thing, uh, very discouraging as a woman to just go into this space of men as a majority so i feel like it's a necessity for the studios to actually come to us for a change right come look for us it's not as if people of color with talents didn't exist i feel like Mm -hmm. the teams need to be more diverse because this diversity can bring a lot to the creativity that would then transparent within the games just hire people of color already. This is going to bring so much because I know that there's already a lot of studies around how diversity is such a huge advantage for for everybody, but we're in the creative industry. So Mm -hmm. having diverse people is just going to bring out diverse stories, universes, characters. And this is what we need, honestly. Yeah, totally agree. And I would say coming from mobile as well, 
So here we started with example of console, but with mobile, it, it exploded even more, becoming really a mass market a medium of entertainment. And that means everyone yeah. who owns a mobile phone technically is a player, right? So it's a representation of the whole world. And again, we are not there yet, as there's still, I would say, a certain group segments of people who are owning the development of games and the creative process. And uh, that's the change we like to see. And that's also what you're advocating for with Afro-Gamers and also creating this whole community very visible. So if you are looking <laughs> for people of color, for example, could they uh, get in contact with you or get you know closer to the community of Afro-Gamers? Is that the idea? That's completely the idea. I feel like a lot of studios, a lot of uh, HRs, let's say, they're always like, yeah, we don't know where to find these people, but I feel mm -hmm. like they're not actually searching for them. And so when an initiative like Afrogamers exists, you don't have an excuse anymore. You know <laughs> that this type of uh, communities or profiles actually are here. And we have this chance to have made Afrogamers not just a community of players, but also of professionals, of content creators. So honestly, we try to work a lot with studios to improve things, right? Improve representation, to talk to them about their teams and how maybe they can do things better, to talk about what we expect also as players, as content creators, as students also who, who are trying to get within the industry. So it's a work that we're not doing alone on our side. We're really trying to work hands in hands with um, entities in the gaming industry. And well, Thankfully, as time goes by, they seem to have uh, recognized us and we just keep going because we know that what we're doing is important for everybody, actually. That was the most surprising thing for me because when I launched Afrogenius, I was really scared of the outcome. I was really scared of what people would say, especially since I took the matter to Twitter. And on Twitter, I was super surprised to see that the initiative was supported not just by Black women or Black people or people of color. I saw enthusiasm coming from everybody, mm -hmm. everybody from the people who work in the industry to the people who have nothing to do with gaming because they felt like it was important. So that's honestly what, what gives me hope today. Mm. And we need a bit of this, right? Hope and... Also, it's not just hope, you know, uh, where there's concrete actions that are led by this community. Let's take a short break to hear a few words from our sponsor who are making this episode possible. Raise up your game development with a new podcast sponsor, Game Refinery. Game Refinery's analysts and data scientists deconstruct and uncover the best practices behind the most successful mobile games today. With Game Refinery, you can prioritize new features in your product roadmaps based on real-world data. Save time with a database of almost 100,000 screenshot implementations and thousands of first-time user experience videos. And create your own live ops playbook inspired by the best practices of leading developers. Want to learn more about how game developers like Zynga, Funplus, Rovio, Garena, and King use Game Refinery to build better games with leaner teams? Go to info.gamerefinery.com slash riseandplay to sign up for free access or to request a demo. Or check out the link in the podcast episode notes. Now, let's get back to our conversation. Another thing I wanted to debunk, which uh, has been a shocking actually anecdote to me that you shared a bit before, 
I was aware that there was some toxicity in online games with women and uh, that some of them are even hiding their gender to not have to go through this. Exactly. But I wasn't aware in this extreme way that also on top of this racism. So without going, of course, in the painful detail, are there some specific examples that you are willing to share? And maybe from your understanding today, again, with all the resources you have, why is this happening? Why this hate and racism is happening on this mm. platform? And what can we do? So some of the examples I had are obviously from when I was a teenager, but some examples are also still very recent because as now I belong in this space, right? I see things every day, mm. not just as me, as a person, but also within Afogimus. This is the main reason why I wanted to have that platform at first. It's so that we could be there for each other because we know mm -hmm. what we go through. So we understand what it feels like. We didn't want to be contradicted by another person who would be like, there is no racism in when you play video games. Well, we know that it's true. An example of that would be, let's say something simple. You decide to play a black character in a video game where you play an online game with other people. So mm -hmm. people would start insulting, not you as a person, but your character, mm. you know, saying the N-word and all that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. You start streaming a game. You're here only to spend time with your community and uh, you're on Twitch doing, just living your life, honestly. And then you get a raid of people who come over and start spouting just nonsense insults. Something very common, especially on Twitch, would be to use a an alias, right? That would sound racist when you say it out loud in French. But mm -hmm. when it's written, it's a word that doesn't make any sense. But when you say it, you realize that it's super racist. And that's so common on Twitch. Mm -hmm. The thing that you do on Twitch when you're a streamer and somebody starts following your channel, you say, hey, thank you, plus their name. But while doing that, you realize that you said something racist. This person wanted to destabilize you, right? They want perhaps to have you banned from the platform for saying something racist. Mm. And so it can become very vicious, honestly. I remember something from when I was a teenager also. I would play with a bunch of friends, guys from, uh, from an online multiplayer game. And we would play so often but they never saw my face. They heard my voice plenty of times. We we're super fine as friends. And then one day we were sharing our Facebook profiles and then I shared mine and they saw me and they were shocked because my voice didn't sound like the voice of a black person. And I didn't look like what they thought I would look like. They thought I would be a white blonde girl. That's <laughs> basically what they said. So I think comments like that at, at a young age honestly can hurt you because you just feel mm -hmm. like you're, you're not the norm. You're not what people would have preferred you to be. And I think all of that happens obviously because we have this way of being anonymous on the internet and online. And so people just feel like they can be and do whatever the hell they want They feel like there is no punishment, so they just go crazy, 
right? Saying all kind of stuff. And they are not necessarily aware that some things are actually illegal to say and that they could uh, be punished. And this is one of the reasons why I, with Afro-Gamers, we, we try a lot to tell people to actually report them and have them banned. Make sure that the issue is identified. Don't just take it all in within yourself. Honestly, for me, there is a responsibility that needs to be taken from the developers who create these platforms. They need to be much more strict about the rules of the platform. And I feel like they don't always do that because they want their players to stay. They just want mm -hmm. as many players as possible. And that makes sense, obviously. But on the other hand, they're not taking into account the toxicity and the consequences of that for people who undergo them. We've been on Twitch for two years now and not much has changed, honestly, although we've kept telling them to improve their moderation. I feel like some things are starting to change. If you think of Riot Games, they've put out a lot of efforts because League of Legends was really known as this toxic game mm -hmm. because of toxic people. And I feel like things have improved now. It's much better than what it used to be because they've put out ways to report people. They've put out a, uh, a court mm -hmm. where you could, the players could actually judge players who they felt would be toxic, things like that. But it needs to go even further. And then lastly, I would say, obviously, the, the players themselves honestly we need to talk to them so we do that a lot with afrogamers we try to bring awareness right about all of these topics and saying how you shouldn't be able to say things that you wouldn't say in real life online yeah that is just the main thing and i feel like the people who are being toxic do it because they feel like they are allowed to do so and so it's a global effort from the platforms, the players, to to actually improve things. Thanks a lot for sharing. And this is also new, you know, for me to hear in the, this step. And I hope for the listeners, it creates really this uh, shocking awareness, because sometimes that's what we need, like shocking stories and real stories to uh, realize the seriousness of what's happening and the experience that some communities, groups are having us uh, playing games. You mentioned about a positive example. And let's look as, as well here as, at other positive examples that they have done a good job at representing. And it's good also to use them as references in case some companies want to take the same path. Or when it comes to having a, a proper hiring approach method to have more diverse teams, do you have examples? Thank God there, there are some, honestly. I think right now I'm thinking of one game that I cherish very much. It's Broken Age. It's an indie. And, you know, you have the possibility to play these two characters. And I just love the story. I love the gameplay. It's the story of Vela on the one side, who needs to, you know, just change her own destiny by deciding not to be eaten by a monster, but rather go after it and kill it to save her whole village and family. And I feel like it's a powerful story. It was one of these rare stories and games where I felt like all I had to do was enjoy. All I had to do was sit down, go through the adventure and just enjoy everything about it. 
And so I, I really love that example. Another good example would be Aveline de Grandpré from Assassin's Creed Liberation. This one is uh, a character that reoccurs a lot when I talk to uh, the communities of Afro-Gamers about which character they, they feel they could identify to or they feel is a positive representation of Black female players. And I, I have to agree with that because it's not just about the character being a woman or Black woman. It's also about the setting of the story, right, where she's mixed already. She's mixed race, right, from a white father who is a slave master, so to say, and her mother who is a slave in the story. And so for me, it was one of the first times actually seeing the grasp of slavery being handled in video games. And I thought that the intake was surprising, right? I liked the fact that it's included in the gameplay as well because she could change her clothes depending on the environment that she was going to using that status of hers being mixed and having this to explore different identities. I thought this was also a really good example and it comes back with the creativity that we were talking about earlier. There's actually a lot of characters that I enjoy when it comes to representation. I can talk about Billy from Dishonored. I can talk about Juliana from Deathloop, a game which was released just last year, I think, which is actually pretty fucking real for me because it's one of these games where you have two main black characters. I was like, whoa, okay, how did that happen? And then I went and checked it out and turns out that the game developer, the game director is a black man. So I was like, oh, well, okay, I understand that better. This mm -hmm. is perhaps how we can change things, giving people a way to actually put their, their foot in and say their piece. I don't exactly have an example of a company or studio which is doing so good at hiring diverse people. I feel like we're still in the very early steps of that. I feel like diversity isn't something we've been really taking seriously for the longest years. It's starting to happen thanks to structures, entities, associations, nonprofits such as Afrodimus who are doing the work, but we also have these structures that are now talking about accessibility, mm -hmm. structures that are trying to have more seniors be hired, also have women be hired in the industry. And so for me, the results of all of that work we're doing, perhaps we're going to see them in 10, 15, 20 years. For me, it's still too early to actually get there. And this also comes from my own experience with Afro-gamers and within the industry. I feel like we are not taken seriously enough yet to actually make this big, enormous impact. So we keep pushing because we know that the only people that can actually open the door to us and actually change things is ourselves. We try to work with other people, but when you see that some doors are closed because of what you believe in, obviously you start having these doubts and uh, you try and be more careful of your surroundings, sadly. But I'm an optimist person, honestly. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing anything. I would just pity myself in 
everything that I go through. So I feel like it's by raising awareness such as you do with the podcast, as so many people do in their own way. And the best feelings having someone whom I have no idea of come to me and say that, hey, that talk you did, it really, it really hit something inside of me and it really talked to me. I wasn't aware of what you were going through. I wasn't aware that I could change things in my own way. These are the small steps that we are working on and which in the end, hopefully will change something for the better. I share very much same vision and optimism as well. And that's very admirable the way you approach it. You could choose to stay as a, as a victim. To be passive. Uh, for, good, for, for, for good reasons after all, all happened. But I think it's amazing what you created with Afrogamers and I'm looking forward to seeing how this will also inspire and influence other even communities to emerge and do more of this because it's a network. We are complementing each other around the same topic to just have more representation in the workplace, but also in the medium, in the games of how the world is made. And I wanted to finish more focusing on uh, what you're doing today. I think here also you mentioned about, you know, having a foot in, in positions where, for example, the example of this game director who could actually have an influence in the games. Can you tell us more about your current role at Ubisoft and maybe some dreams where you would like to be a few years from now and maybe in a position where uh, you can even serve better your mission in games? Yeah, so right now I'm working at Ubisoft Paris studio. It's the studio that creates games such as Just Dance, The Ghost Recon franchise, Beyond Good and Evil, stuff like that. And um, I work as the, a social media and content manager. So basically my work is to handle the studio's social content and to just post all kinds of things when I have free mm -hmm. time. <laughs> uh, it's super fun work, honestly. It was important for me to also get a foot in the industry because before I forget news, I wasn't working in the video game industry. I've wanted mm -hmm. to when I was younger, never had the opportunity, never really pursued it after becoming an adult, right? So I feel like one of the reasons I, I got in was also because of my values and what I represent with Afro-Gameuse. Just that step of wanting to hire someone like me, I feel is a positive mindset for a studio, especially knowing that things haven't always been all pink <laughs> in <laughs> the past few years. And so it was important for me to go and see if everything I've heard in the past about these studios and how they do things and about toxicity, is it real or is it not? And I can't really answer that question now because it's, um, I feel like it really depends on your environment, where you work, the people you work with, the projects you mm -hmm. work on. Thankfully, right now, today at Ubisoft, I'm feeling pretty good with where I am and the work I do is interesting. But I feel like in the future, I would want to just fly on my own at some point and mm -hmm. start something on my own. It just goes better with my personality. I'm a doer and I like to do things that I really believe in. I am super passionate when I start 
working on a project that really is important to me. And I feel like I want to do that. And I want to help studios. I want to help people of color. I want to align all of those things I know how to do. I want to align the communities I have created with the work that I do and mm -hmm. try to, why not help them highlight their work on socials, just give them more visibility, just enhance and elevate and put the spotlight on them because we don't see enough uh, game devs of color. If I can make that happen, I am definitely will. I love the answer and the boldness and the spark you have answering this question. And I, I know that you will do it sooner than later. <laughs> yeah. And I would want to be on the path when you do it, because I would be happy to help. But thanks a lot for sharing your vision and your, it's not even dreams, I would say, but really very concrete goals. And you are right to think of it like really how to leverage the network you've created, the community and the connections you have to help even more at a bigger scale, right? And you are in this position and That's also the trajectory when I look at what you've created with Afro-Gamers, where you're heading to. And those 10, 15 years, I can say we will be part of it. And maybe, I hope, it will be less of a topic in a 10-year podcast uh, recording with you again. Thanks a lot, Jennifer, for the talk today. We're reaching the end. And I'm so grateful for not only your aspirations that you shared, but also very personal anecdotes. And it will definitely give a lot of awareness for our listeners. Thank you so much for, for having me. And it's super interesting to talk about all of this because even for me, you know, I get to reflect about all of that. So thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for this platform. What you're doing is important as well. And I know that we're doing crazy, important things and I'm super proud of us for doing that. Yeah, great sisterhood. <laughs> well, take care, Jennifer. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Rise and Play podcast. I am trying to grow a community of conscious leaders across the industry and beyond. So if you want to join this movement, please share the podcast with other conscious leaders because we have so much more we can learn from each other. Also, please don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on future content. Every episode is packed with actionable insights that will help you improve your leadership skills now. And if you are interested in learning more on the topics that we discussed today, you can find more insights on riseandplay.io and there you will also find my free masterclass on conscious leadership. So have a great week and until the next time, 